Hello and welcome to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. My guest today is Robin Marks Fife. Welcome. Hi, Rob. Robin was present May 4th, 1970 at Kent State University in Ohio uh, when these famous, infamous shootings took place and we're coming up on the 50th anniversary and she and I are, have been friends for years, but we've talked about that, that she was there, and um, I'm kind of fascinated with events like this, and she's a, a first-hand witness, so thank you. I'm, I'm so glad you're, you're here to tell a bit of your story. I'd love to tell a little of, of the history of Kent and my story. So tell me about, you, you, you were a student at Kent State University? Right. I came in as a freshman in 1965, and... Um, it wasn't until the following year, which would be uh, 66, really, that I became involved with any political activism. And that was uh, the Kent Committee to End the War in Vietnam had been formed. And there were silent vigils every day in front of the student union. At first, there were only a few students that would show up to these silent vigils, but after a while, it grew. It was never a really large group. Bus, the black United students, sometimes joined us, but that was a time in history when the black students really wanted to be separate and not have to, not have to mix their issues with the white students. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then this organization was formed mainly in opposition to Vietnam War? Exactly. It was called the Ken Committee to End the War in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I had come from New York. I grew up in Long Island, and I was pretty sheltered. And when I first got to Kent, I was a language major, a French major, minoring in sociology, and enjoying being out of my parents' home and at college. That was pretty fun. But by the second year, I was aware of, I was much more aware of what was happening in Vietnam. And it didn't make sense to me that some of the horrible things that we were learning about were happening in this country so far away. So I became involved and I just joined the Kent Committee to End the War. Uh, At first, our only activism was this vigil once a week. And I remember once standing there with a sign that said, end the war in Vietnam, bring our troops home now. And women in a, in a dormitory right across from where I was standing started throwing tomatoes at us wow. and told us to go home. Well, I was going to ask, because I mean, I'm from Ohio, and uh, it's certainly not a hotbed of, of radical thought, you know, or activism, although it's become kind of more of a battleground, purple state, but I'm sure you were nowhere near a majority in the way that you were thinking. No, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know exactly where this was going or why this was happening. My first real, um, besides, besides the, the vigils, my first sit-in or event that I participated in was a sit-in in front of the Uh, administration building that same year, my sophomore year, the black students asked the Kent Committee if we would support them. They wanted input into uh, organizing a black studies program. So Kent is not far from Akron, which was the ex-rubber capital of the world. There were a lot of black students, 
poor black students. And there were also a number of African students because Kent had exchange programs with a couple of African universities. So when when BUS, the black United students, came to RS, our Kent committee meeting and asked if we would support them and join a sit-in in front of the administration building where they had put together a list of, I wouldn't say demands at that point, but they, they were requests to the administration to include them in the formulation of the Black Studies program. We were sitting on this lawn, the front, the front lawn of... Uh, of Kent used to be an arboretum. It was beautiful. It was rolling hills and beautiful trees. And we were sitting there. People were playing guitars and people were passing out donuts. And the head of the Black Student Union had submitted these requests. And the board of directors of Kent was meeting upstairs. And they came, the, the requests were brought down a little bit later and they were denied. And we were told everybody needed to disperse. And so the Black United students decided that they were going to put in a second request. So we were all sitting there and hoping that that would turn out a little differently. It made sense to me that Black students should be involved in the curriculum for uh, Black history. It made a lot of sense. Yeah. And <laughs> and um, not only was the second request denied, but then the state police came in carrying rifles to break it up, to hmm. break up this sit-in on the front campus, which was totally peaceful. And they got a little violent with some of the students, and I ran back to my dorm. I remember not only being frightened, but being really confused, like we hadn't done anything. I hadn't done anything. And they were, I assume, called in by the administration? They were called in by the administration, Mm -hmm. yeah. The administration, uh, Kent was a very conservative Republican place, and... I was not really aware of all the politics in Ohio when I got there, and I certainly wasn't aware of uh, I certainly wasn't aware of Kent State as it was, and it really was a powder keg, and I didn't know all of the particulars about it at that time. But the more I learned, the more I realized we were really in the forefront. So I'm sure. Though your time, as the 60s rolled along, the unpopularity of the war grew. Yes, but it wasn't just the war. There were a number of things. So, you know, the the black students being denied any uh, input into the black studies program. Um, there was a ROTC uh, on campus where there were... That's the ROTC. ROTC, the, the, you know, where there were... For those that don't know, that's the... The training ground for It was the training ground. So Mm -hmm. on one hand, you had students protesting the war. On the other hand, you had had college students that were marching in formation, um, getting ready maybe to be deployed at some point, but they were training to go into the military. And the other thing was, there were a number of there were a number of other things. Kent was involved in the manufacture of something called liquid crystals. There was something called the Liquid Crystals Institute, mm. and liquid crystals are these crystals that glow when they are around body heat, and so these liquid crystals were being produced and used to sprinkle over the forests in South America to weed out the gorillas like Che Guevara and other gorillas that were protesting the puppet governments that the U.S. was involved in helping to create in South America. It sprinkled this over the forest and 
people weren't even aware they were being dosed with doused no with they it didn't kind of? people didn't know but they would but they would glow and so that's how they were being identified weird wow. right so there were a number so there were a number of things that were beginning to build yeah um, not to mention those assassinations of 68 happened to, and the elect the crazy election of 68 exactly mm-hmm. exactly so all that was happening and the Kent committee was uh, getting more involved and doing more planning. Right. Well, I guess it was the winter semester of my junior year. I went to Mexico. There was a, an exchange program called the Mexicent program. Mm. And so I was gone from December. Th- I came back in the spring. When I came back in the spring, the Kent Committee had, had morphed into SDS, Students for a Democratic Society. Which was... National. I mean, there were organizations like there that were there were national around. organizations, mm-hmm. and there were chapters in Oberlin in Ohio. There, the um, I believe there was a chapter here at the University of Oregon. Yeah. there was Berkeley. There were there, probably it, Antioch where I went. Antioch, to. you know, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, New York, Columbia. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there were organizers from Columbia that came out to work with us and help us put together our SDS chapter. Uh Um, A couple of those people were killed in New York, in Columbia, in a a brownstone while they were making bombs. Wow. So not only only did the Ken Committee, which was passive and peaceful, morph into Students for a Democratic Society, but then that split off into something called RIM-1 and RIM-2, uh, Revolu- Revolutionary Youth Movement One and Revolutionary Youth Movement Two. Wow! I believe it was Revolutionary Youth Movement Two that had more of a violent political. Well, I was um, going to ask you about that, that. The divide between you know non the the strategy of nonviolence versus using violence. I'm sure exactly. was a uh, was a big discussion. Obviously, with King. Being killed and that being her, his his big strategy was nonviolent. And it's like if you use violence, violence is going to become the violence norm. Violence breeds it, it, violence. Exactly. So, well, how how was that? How, how did that play out on at, at Kent? Well, <clears throat> that divide. That divide played out in at that at that time. There there was no violence that was being exercised. <clears throat> excuse me. On campus, that would come a little bit later as we got closer to May Fourth and what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, but there was a lot of talk about that. Like I said, two of our friends were killed in New York building bombs. Um, none of that was happening on Kent's campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was talk about guns, procuring guns. Mm. Um, I personally would not have gotten involved in that. That was not my bent. Mm-hmm. I was definitely into protesting, but I was definitely into being nonviolent. Right. And, and these sit-ins and admin, uh, trying to enter the administration buildings was, was kind of a, a big strategy. That was a big strategy. Well, I want to move closer to the, the May, May 4th uh, incident because we have a short discussion here. Okay. We're almost halfway done. So in terms of my story about this, yeah. Um, during that year, I was working at the Summit County Welfare Department in Akron. 
I had my house in Kent because I was also going to classes, but I also worked part-time in Akron at the Summit County Welfare Department. Uh, as I said, my minor was sociology. I was a Russian major, Russian language major, oh, Russian, wow. Russian language, and a sociology minor. And uh, as you've done your, your research here, I know that you came across the name Jerry Lewis, who was a sociology professor, and he also was a professor that I spent a lot of time with, took a lot of his classes, and he was also an activist as it as things move forward. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, That's a whole other interesting discussion, actually, is the, the, the relationship with the faculty. The administration, obviously, was pretty conservative, but I, I assume the faculty was kind of mixed. That's right. There, there were several professors that were quite liberal mm-hmm. and quite supportive of the peace movement right. at Kent State. Yeah. Um, On the morning of May 4th, I was in Akron. I uh, was coming back to Kent with a couple of my friends, one of whom, my friend Candy Erickson, who lives here in Eugene. Candy and I worked together at at the Summit County Welfare Department. We were coming back into Kent. Our plan that morning, not knowing anything, was to grab some of our clothes and go up to uh, Cleveland for the night. We wanted to see a movie. And when I... When we pulled into Kent, there was an alert on the radio. I guess we had the radio on. There was an alert on the radio that said student snipers had killed a National Guardsman and the town was being shut down. So I went straight to my house. um, And when I got to my house, my house had been turned into headquarters for what was going on on campus. Of course, it was not true that there was a student sniper and no National Guards had been injured or shot. It was That was completely fictitious, completely fictitious. Was this after the shooting had no, occurred? No, it was, n- no, it was not. I think it was right before that all happened. I see. But the National Guard was gearing up. They were marching on the campus. Um, when I got to my house, students... Roommates and students that were at my house told me that uh, that there had been a, a military takeover of the campus. And just up- just a little um, to set the scene from what I know, uh, just a couple of days before that, that there had been a, a fire set at the ROTC building, and that is one thing that that set off the governor of Ohio, who called the protests, you know, un-American, and, right? You know. And so that's why the guard, you know, the, the governor had called the guard in right. because he, he... The uh, ROTC building had been burned to the ground. That is true. It was a very conservative Republican university, and they were not into any student protests. There were no discussion about this. They, they were not even in favor of the uh, Kent Committee in the war in Vietnam as, uh, as innocent as that was at the time. There, there, there was not a lot of support for any of it. So anyway, the building up to it, uh, there were, and then apparently there was some violence in the town that was ragged. There like was a, the night on May 3rd, the mm-hmm. night before, uh, there was violence. Uh, it was not the SDS members, as I know it. Uh-huh. Uh, there were students that were throwing beer bottles at cop cars. They broke some of the windows in town right. of the uh, some of the businesses that were not supportive. It's just good to set that scene. Yes, that, that's that was part that. of what kind of inf- and you know inflamed the situation. And then the, on May fourth, the guard 
There was another protest call on campus, and the guard correct. showed up. That's correct. As well as that's oh, correct. Oh, and I liked that there was this bell they rang, which is I guess for the football victory bell was usually for the football team's victory, but it was being used to call in the protest. That's right. Mm-hmm. So when I got to my house, the shootings at that point had happened. I see. And. Um, there were four students dead, and there were also a number of students injured. I think there were nine injured altogether, mm-hmm. and four were dead. Uh, they were not members of any of the activist groups. Allison Krauss was uh, the one that had gone over to a guard member and put a flower in his gun. Oh. Um, Sandy Schuer, uh, I knew just a little bit because she was a Jewish student and a member of the Jewish Student Union. I had met her briefly. Um, there was, a, there was a, a whole part of the student body that was very aware and into the peace movement, and a whole part of the student body that was uh, in favor of the military. Right. Anyway, um, that night, there was after the shootings, and so I'm going to skip because I wasn't on campus. I did not see the shootings myself. But that night at 6 o'clock, there was a gathering called by two of the professors, Jerry Lewis and I think Tom Luff, at the library, which was right on the front campus, and uh, to talk about what had happened. And so I did go to that. And while I was there, and we were, it was a peaceful demonstration, people were speaking, people that had been at the shootings, people, uh, faculty was there. While we were talking and reviewing what had happened, um, the National Guard came back. And they were, they were, um, they were marching in cadre form, and they pushed this group of people that were gathering from this front edge of the campus back towards, again, back towards the architecture building and the area of the commons where the bell was. Mm. And we were running because they had guns and bayonets. And so the students were running back towards there and they had us circled on the commons and they were tear gassing and the commons and where Taylor Hall is, there are lots and lots of trees. And um, my understanding is that it was the guard that set the trees on fire. So not only were we a bunch of students being tear gassed at that time, but the guard had set the trees on fire. Johnson Hall, which is one of the dormitories, which was right up the hill, started a brigade of passing uh, buckets down with water to put out the fires. What what would you speculate? Why would they set it on fire? Uh, To get the students off campus. They wanted us off. They wanted to get, they wanted the, the students that were in dormitories to go back to their dormitories and everybody else who at that point they considered outside agitators yeah. to get off campus. I was a student that lived off campus, that lived two blocks off campus. Right. So I was a student. I was not an outside agitator, and I was there to find out what the hell had happened that day. Students were killed. It was a big thing. So anyway, the, 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 the trees are on fire. We're being tear gassed. People are freaking out, and after a while... I had had enough. The town was under martial law, and I decided that I wanted to go back to my house. I didn't want to get shot. I was, my eyes were tearing. I had newspaper and Vaseline uh, with me to ward off the tear gas, 
And as I was heading back towards the library and then across Water Street and then across Lincoln Street, there were tanks coming down the street with... It was a war zone. I was in a war zone. There were tanks coming down the street with spotlights. In order to avoid the spotlights, (laughs) I had to crawl on my stomach underneath a neighbor's garden fence and wait till the tank went past. And then after the tank left, I was able to crawl until I got to the sidewalk and and then run across the street and get to my house. Wow. Yeah, and this is uh, I will never forget this. Land of the home this. of the bra- and the brave. Land of the home and <laughs> <laughs> land of the free yeah. and home of the brave, with the tanks coming up and down the streets. And again, you know, we're pro- uh, you're protesting the war, but there would also have been this recent Nixon was upping the ante of. Uh, well, that's, bombing Cambodia. Well, that's Cambodia. right. That's that's really what escalated all of this mm-hmm. uh, was the bombing of Cambodia and and going into Cambodia. I mean, Vietnam was enough to get to get people that didn't think that way riled enough. But then with going into Cambodia, it was over the top. It was what are you doing? And then Nixon himself being such a crook and being so dishonest about what was happening and then just wanting to smash the students and put down any uprising at all. There was just no room for any dis- for any discourse, any discussion. It was just out of hand. Um, so in terms of the faculty, because I've thought about this a lot. Um, you know, these the National Guard were just kids like the students. I mean, they were the same age, probably 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, so there was kind of no respect I think on both hands, you know, probably from the from the National Guard's perspective, these people are they've got the inferments, you know, they don't have to go to war as long as they're in school and and you know, we had to sign up and you know, there I don't know if there was a, a class difference or, or but and then yeah, the students didn't say. respect obviously them because they're part of this war machine and the, Right. So uh, some students were throwing rocks. Yeah. That's true. Um, I think a really interesting point and that I want that I want to get out here to make sure that this is known and this is public is that initially it was regarded that when some students were throwing rocks and not and not big rock there are no rocks there you know it's <laughs> yeah. not big rocks to hurt anybody it was disrespectful but not not worthy of being killed over right but the thought was for a long time that when some students were throwing rocks that a national guardsman panicked and shot and when that one shot was fired some other national guardsman followed suit what they found out later and this is really really important is that a student had been taping everything that was going on and that tape was sent to a a library at Yale and the Cleveland Plain Dealer paid to have that completely researched and they found out that an order was given by the National Guard to shoot so this was not one young person on the side of the National Guard that panicked and just shot this, and, w- this was an right, order Right, and given. also witnesses said they, you know, they saw them knee- turn and kneel and kind of oh, yeah. in, in, oh, it was in an, formation. They were, in they, they were in formation. <clears throat> and, of course, that photograph, um, that photograph went viral. That photograph made all the papers and everything. Yeah. So um, 
That that's a big difference from what was originally reported. And that wasn't until <clears throat> 2007, apparently. That yes, that ju- they worked on that for a long time. That forensic evidence that they worked on on releasing that for a long time. Um, when I was talking about the, the disrespect between the young people, you know, the military and the students, that was where I, some people said they wished more faculty had gotten involved somehow. Right. Um, there was, was there three any regret? that have I you know heard, of. Have you heard regret from any of the faculty that they didn't do more or didn't do something? I didn't because after that the university was closed and we all kind of left. But I did speak with Jerry Lewis. And when last time I was back there was for our anniversary, I guess 20 years ago. It was in 2000. And I spent time with Jerry Lewis at that point, And we went over a whole lot of what had happened uh, Tom Luff had died, so I couldn't discuss this with him. Um, but so they were very supportive. He was a sociology professor, I think, too. And um, they were very supportive of the peace movement there. We were talking about the National Guard and being given orders uh, to fire. I know some of the National Guard were actually charged, but then not not convicted. No. What do you know about the, the Guardsmen that day? I know that... They also were just young kids, and they were put in a horrible situation. And I only know of one of them in particular who had tremendous remorse, who cried, and I know that it messed up his life. But I imagine that it must have been devastating for a lot of those kids, too. Ohio was a very small community, and this is a very small school. And I'm sure that some of the kids that joined the National Guard were also friends with kids that were anti-war. Right. And so, I mean, I don't know how that all played out. And again, after the shooting, we left. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the end of the movement. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 20 years after that the university actually started these commemorations people that were there changed their lives and even the people came along later it was an event that's always been associated with Kent State they even talked about maybe changing the name right to Kent Uh, University yeah to to get the Kent State out of there yeah so like other major events just maybe talk about why it's important to remember uh, there's a sign apparently that says inquire on campus now inquire learn and reflect well not only that but After it happened, the university wanted it to go away. And so uh, they were very disrespectful about what happened. Um, Alison Krauss, who was one of the young women who died, her parents had changed their lives. Of course, if you have a child that dies. But they made their life going around and talking about this. And uh, it became their whole life. But the university wanted this to go away for a long time. As a matter of fact, they built a gym on the parking lot, part of the parking lot where the students were killed. Mm -hmm. And then there was a a president of the university and she didn't want, she just didn't want to make, she didn't want this to be a focus when people thought of Kent State. And then there was another president and I think she's the one, they've now created a museum there and actually, there's a picture of me in the museum with a sign that says, End the War, Bring the Troops Home Now, nice. being a 19-year-old. Nice. Yeah. And there are two books that students are required to read now about this when they get there. Uh-huh. And hopefully, uh, the film made by Danny Miller, who's a professor at the University of Oregon, and he made this film called Fire in the Heartland, which, by the way, will be on uh, OPB tomorrow, May 4th at 9 p.m., 
But uh, Danny's film is also, I believe, being shown to incoming freshmen. And so it's important to remember this as it's important to remember history. You know, it's important to know what happened so we know where we are and we know how we can proceed from here. After the shootings, SDS moved into three cities in Ohio. It moved into Columbus, Cleveland, and Akron. We formed uh, collectives where we lived in uh, communal homes studying Mao and um, learning about nonviolence mm. and violence in, in terms of a revolution. I was in uh, one of the homes. There were two houses in Akron. I was in one of the houses in Akron. I had a job as a barmaid in a Lebanese-owned bar. And everybody, most people had jobs, and all the money that we made went to supporting the house. Every night, we had a meeting around dinner time to talk about where we were, what our plans were, and whatever. One night after our dinner meeting, um, people in the house talked about it was time to get guns and start practicing sniper attacks on pig cars. Oh, my. As people were talking, my eyes locked with my friend, Doug, who was sitting across the room. And I knew that that was the end of this path for me. Yeah. I was not going there. Right. And so after dinner, I packed my stuff. Doug lived up in Massachusetts, I think, at that point. And we, uh, we packed up our stuff. And we, I called my parents, who were, of course, very relieved that I was leaving the movement at that point. And I said, I'm coming home and I'm bringing a friend with me. And they said, great, we'll come get you. And Doug and I just didn't wait. We hitchhiked back to New York. SDS, by the way, is Students for Democratic Society. But what, so that, do you think there was, this was going against the original mission statement or was it, was it part of what that, that vision was? I, th I think that initially it was all meant to be nonviolent. Mm -hmm. You know, initially when it was Students for a Democratic Society, that's where the students were too. But as, as our national policies escalated, when you saw those pictures of that, that little one, the one of that little girl being napalmed, yeah. you know, the more visual we saw, and I think the war in Vietnam was the first time you could watch a war on television. You know, and you saw what was going on. I had friends that I'd gone to school with that were coming home in body bags. It was horrific. Yeah. And so even though even though this all started out as a nonviolent protest, and that's, I think, what we all wanted originally, um, it grew as the, as the war grew. Yeah. And lastly, as we kind of close this up, here we are, and we're in the middle of this pandemic. And, and the control of information also we're seeing is, is different than it was 50 years ago now. That's right. You know, we're only, we're told certain things and it's just hard to know sometimes what the truth is and things that happened 50, 60 years ago, uh, really starting with the Kennedy assassination, we start looking at our government with different kind of eyes, like what, you know, we're being told one thing, but what is the truth? So what's the layer here 50 years past this event for you that, that stands out? Like what, what lessons are, can be applied to what's, what's going on now? And uh, I don't, who knows what's coming down the road with this election year, whether it's going to happen, where, you know. I grew up as a very sheltered and protected child. I trusted my government mm -hmm. to take care of us, right. to do the right thing, to be a democracy. I have seen in my 70 years that that's not the case. 
I do not trust what the government tells me anymore. I feel like to the best of my ability, I need to read and continue to think for myself. I want to encourage everyone to vote, to talk to everybody they can about voting. That's, that's, that's our power. That's all we've got right now is our power to talk to as many people as we can, uh, look at the issues, and, and decide how we want to proceed. Because right now, the integrity of our country is in the balance. Every day, we, li- we listen to fake news. And, you know, I'm happy to live in a state, I think, that's fairly sane in the middle of all of this. I'm so grateful to be living in Oregon. But it's not like this everywhere. Classism, racism is rampant. And it's as rampant as it ever was. And more so, um, it's not true that, uh, that there's equality in this country. And we have to continue to work for social justice and equality all the time. It, it never ends. And we need to teach our children well and pass the torch. Kent was a beautiful little sleepy town when I got there with the railroad running through and the river running through. And it turned into a hotbed. And it was also, it's also become the symbol of many things in this country, not just because of May 4th, but having been firsthand on the ground at Kent, I saw the inequality that was presented to the students by the administration. And um, we just need to keep moving forward and push for social justice and fairness. Thanks for coming by and telling your story, Robin. Thanks, uh, Rob. Thanks ap- for having me. I, I always want to get this story yeah. out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think some of my friends are tired of hearing it, <laughs> and some of my friends haven't heard it yet. So um, it's amazing. I was in a war zone for a while there, as was all of my friends there. We learned a lot. My guest has been Robin Marks Fife. We've been talking about the shootings that took place May 4th, 1970, 50 years ago. You've been listening to Train of Thought. Till next time. Train of Thought can be heard on KEPW 97.3 in Eugene. It's also posted on soundcloud.com slash Rob Tobias. For comments and suggestions, email rob at robtobias.com.